This continues our story of what happened to Charles and Caroline Gentry. If you missed the previous episode, I would recommend you go and check it out before listening to the rest of the story in this one. Welcome to Deliver Us. Fred and Mary invited Charles into their home and for over an hour, Fred explained everything he knew. Ducey was the nickname of Dorothy, who grew up in Charles and Caroline's house and would have been about Fred's age. Fred explained that he and Mary had talked about the possibility of the experiences being related to Ducey, but chose not to bring it up to Charles. He said that so many years had passed, and without any other reports, they assumed, as Mary put it, that Ducey had crossed over. Ducey, or Dorothy, was a twin. Her twin's name was Deborah. And there were nine kids altogether that lived in the house then. Also during this time, the rooms in the upstairs were used as bedrooms. Deborah and Dorothy, being the only two girls, were the only ones to have their own rooms. The room over the kitchen was twenty by twenty, and when Charles and Caroline bought the house, it was divided into two small rooms. They took the walls down because there had been a good deal of water damage. The story, according to Fred, is that Dorothy was eighteen or nineteen when she got engaged to a boy named Armand. Fred explained that Armand and Dorothy were childhood sweethearts, and that prior to their engagement Armand was always around, and that he simply became part of the family. Fred liked him very much. He said he was cunning and always making jokes. One evening, Armand took Dorothy out to a nearby town for dinner and to see a show. It was unconfirmed what show they saw that night, but considering this was during the 1950s, the same decade as the musical Guys and Dolls came out, it was highly likely that that was the show they saw. This was the same night in which Armand proposed to Dorothy. Armand worked in the fields nearby, and several days after their engagement he had an accident whilst changing part of a tractor. He was unable to get treatment in time, and as a result, he bled out and died. Fred explained that Dorothy became something of a shut-in after her fiancé's death. The house was always bustling with activity, and the only place where she could be alone was in her room, and that's where she stayed most of the time. The significance of the song I've Never Been In Love Before from Guys and Dolls is such that Fred told Charles that until this day, he can't hear it without thinking of her. He told Charles Dorothy would play it all the time. The family could do nothing to ease Dorothy's grief. Fred explained that as her siblings left to start families of their own, Dorothy remained in the house with her mother and her one elder brother, who Fred described as having some sort of learning difficulty. Dorothy stayed in her room over the kitchen, even when the larger rooms became available. The only time Fred knew of Dorothy leaving the house was when his father died in 1960. Dorothy attended the funeral with her family. Other than giving her condolences to Fred's mother, she said nothing. Dorothy died of ovarian cancer in the front room of the house around 1966 or 67. Fred remembered that her brother had said that before she passed, Dorothy asked to go to her room because it was there that she felt most comfortable. Given the configuration of the stairs and the care she required, this was not possible. At the end of telling the story, Fred became emotional. He said he felt like an old friend was lost and in need of help. The discoveries also made Charles feel uncomfortable. 
It's not easy coming to the realisation that the house you live in is occupied by someone else. They discussed finding a solution. Mary suggested getting a medium involved, which Charles and Caroline agreed would be the best route to take. Caroline found a medium. Her name was Susan. After trading emails and several discussions on the phone, they invited her to the house. To begin with, Charles was sceptical and concerned the woman was simply trying to take advantage of them. However, after she journeyed an hour to get to them without charging them anything, he changed his mind. Susan made a connection right away, the moment she walked in the door. Only, it wasn't Dorothy. She said that she sensed two men. She called it a thumbprint and said that they weren't very receptive. She walked through the front room and into the family room. She said that the family room had been a very busy place at one time and asked about a specific wall, saying it wasn't as it used to be. The family room used to be the kitchen many years ago, before the house was joined with a summer kitchen. At that time, there was a large fireplace on the wall she was referring to. Charles only knew this from pictures and from what Fred had told him. He said the fireplace was collapsing, so it was taken down about 25 years ago. Susan then walked into the kitchen and said, Her name is Lucy. It was close enough. Close enough to her nickname, Ducey. She asked to go upstairs and seemed to know right where to go. This was interesting only because most people are surprised there are steps behind the odd little door in the kitchen, but Susan seemed to instinctively know they were there. They tried the light switch, but it wouldn't go on. Charles went up ahead to make sure everything was clear on the stairs. He found a spare bulb and changed the light, but it still wouldn't turn on. Susan asked to be left alone in the area, so Charles and Caroline went back down to the kitchen and waited. When Susan returned to the kitchen, she said that Dorothy showed her her room. Susan described it as having white wicker furniture, and the wallpaper was a pattern of huge flowers. The current occupants redecorated the house when they moved in. They painted them flat white, but when they removed the old walls in the upstairs room, they discovered flowered wallpaper under the layers of paint. As Susan had no prior knowledge of this, she instantly captured the attention of Charles. She then went on to explain that Dorothy missed the church. She said it was off in that direction and gestured towards the north. Charles and Caroline couldn't recall a church in that direction. They told Susan that it was unlikely that there was ever a church within any reasonable distance north of the house because nothing that way had ever been developed. It had always been farmland. Susan moved on. After Susan left, Caroline and Charles sat in the kitchen, absorbing all they had learned. Charles looked up at one point to see his wife's eyes suddenly grow wide. She was looking past him, toward the north and empty wall between the kitchen and the family room. They once had a large painting of the Reims Cathedral on that wall. They gave the painting to Charles' sister-in-law as a housewarming gift because she always admired it. Apparently, Dorothy loved it too. It would seem that Dorothy was about 18 or 19 from what Susan could figure out. They know that she was in her 30s when she died, but apparently, while she was there in the house at least, 
she was still a teenager. It isn't uncommon for a spirit to return to an age in their life in which they were the happiest or held a certain innocence, especially when there has been a traumatic death or great sadness in their later years. Charles was pleased to discover from the medium that Dorothy liked him very much. Caroline too, only she knows that Caroline is nervous about her presence. She also liked the music that Charles played for her as well. She was aware that her mother had died, and that's why new people came in and out of the house. Susan believed that Dorothy did not realise that she too had died. Susan had a very strong feeling that Dorothy was waiting for someone, and although they didn't tell her, she seemed to understand about Armand. After everything was said and done, the couple spoke about how to help Dorothy move on. Susan said that while she is amazingly receptive, that doesn't make anything easier. They told her the story about Armand, and she said it would be critical to see about reaching him. She spoke about trying to reach Dorothy's mother and father too. She explained that they would be the best way to help her move across. Before leaving, Susan said she would return to see if she could connect with Armand and or Dorothy's family. As Fred knew Dorothy, she wanted him there as well. She believed it would help her to move on. Charles would continue to wake every night at 2.30am. He was convinced it was Dorothy who was waking him somehow. He would sit in the kitchen and would wait to feel her presence. This presence came in the form of images in his mind. It was as if Dorothy herself was placing them there. His explanation for this was that these images weren't anything particularly spectacular, more like stills from a past life. For instance, one image that he saw was a group of young people sitting on or standing beside a post and beam fence, just talking and enjoying each other's company. Another was of a man who was repairing a car. Some days passed, and Susan returned to the house with a plan to reach out to Dorothy's mother and father to see about having them bring her over. She warned Charles and Caroline that this was not going to be an easy process. She said that we shouldn't expect the results to be immediate, that it may take several sessions to reach them, if they could reach them at all. The process wasn't quite what Charles was expecting. With everything he had been through, he imagined something a little more dramatic than what actually happened. Susan didn't actually say much. She simply sat there, deep in thought, and got everyone else present to focus on the names of the people she was seeking. Dorothy's mother and father, George and Blanche. After a few minutes, Susan mentioned sensing a man, and a moment later, she said there were two men. What happened next seemed to Charles and Caroline somewhat anticlimactic. Susan smiled and said she felt a rush. She said there was an amazing moment of happiness, and Dorothy crossed over, just like that. Charles didn't sense anything, no feeling or changes to the atmosphere. Feeling slightly disappointed, he then proceeded to question Susan on everything he sensed. He asked who the men were that took Susan. Susan said there were no names, that she couldn't be sure, as although they briefly acknowledged her, they didn't speak to her. She assumed it to be George, Dorothy's father, and Armand, Dorothy's fiancé, but she wasn't certain. 
she was convinced Dorothy did know them. Charles went on to ask questions about the departure of Dorothy. Susan assured him she left happy and full of joy. In addition to the somewhat anticlimactic event of Dorothy moving on, Charles felt lost and empty, as if he never got the sense of completion he was hoping for. He was sad that after the connection he felt that had developed between Dorothy and himself, he never got to say goodbye to her. The following days, Charles felt the presence of Dorothy no longer there, and with that, a sense of grief of having lost a friend. He questioned why she left so quickly, and who the men were who came to take her. His connection was such that he couldn't help but worry about what had happened. One evening, Charles had been working late in the upstairs of the house. When he decided to call it a night, he went downstairs. Only, his feet seemed to take him on a different route than normal. He ended up in the dining room, a room very infrequently occupied by the current residents. As soon as he got there, something caught his eye on the dining room table. In the dark, it looked like a smudge on the glass. He switched the light on to get a better look. The light revealed it to be a single flower sitting there on the table. Charles figured it was something his wife must have left. He went to pick it up, but his hand slid across the glass table as if nothing was there. He stared at it, trying to figure out if his eyes were playing a trick on him. He looked under the glass, but as soon as he knelt down to find it, the flower would disappear from sight. When he rose back up and looked down at the table, he would see it again. He even looked to see if it was reflecting off something from above, but it was not there either. He took out his phone and took a photo. The flower was visible in the picture, but when he went to take a second photo, it disappeared. Charles stood there for a moment, before becoming overwhelmed with emotion. He interpreted the occurrence as Dorothy reaching out to him and to let him know she had passed and that she was okay. Charles went to the kitchen, poured himself whatever stale coffee remained in the pot, and sat there entering the meditative state that opened him to whatever images flashed in his mind's eye. Somewhere in the middle of these beguiling thoughts, Charles began thinking about Perry and Todd. Now he knew Todd's name. Fred had mentioned him. Because of all the brothers in Dorothy's family, the two were friends. Perry was also Dorothy's brother, only he wasn't sure he heard the name before this moment. After all these experiences, he didn't believe anything to simply be a coincidence. He was convinced these thoughts were placed there in some way. Charles concluded that it wasn't Dorothy's father who answered the calling, or Armand. From these thoughts, he somehow knew it was Perry and Todd who came for their sister. And in that same moment, he was certain they had been in the house for a while. They must have been the two men that Susan sensed as soon as she stepped into the house for the very first time. To get something a little more concrete, Charles sent an email to Fred asking if he remembered all of the names of each of the children in Dorothy's family. He received the following reply. Charles, you're taxing my old brain, but I do remember. The names were George Jr. Skip. I think his real name was Samuel. Todd, Thomas, Bartlett, who went by Bart, Daniel, 
Perry, Deborah, and Dorothy, a.k.a. Ducey. Armand's brother's name was Caleb. Upon reading the name Perry, Charles was far less shocked than he thought he was going to be. He was also satisfied his conclusions were concrete, though the flower he saw was in fact a gift from Dorothy, along with the thoughts he was given about her brothers. People often fear the possibility of encountering a paranormal presence. However, as we discovered in this story, not all ghosts are malevolent. They may simply be lost and in need of guidance to move on from the world of the living. Perhaps it is just the fear of the unknown that causes us to be afraid of such presences. The fact that we really do not know what truly lurks there in the dark. This episode marks the end of this pilot season for this podcast. I have a number of ideas where I want to go with this podcast that include making each episode longer in length, uploading on a more frequent basis, ideally one episode every two weeks, adding some original music and that sort of thing. If you enjoyed this pilot season and are hungry for more, there's a few things you can do to help me get to the stage where I can put out more content. Firstly, please subscribe to the podcast and leave me a positive review. This will obviously help me to gain more of a following on the major podcast platforms. Secondly, if you really want to go the extra mile, you can become a contributor over on my Patreon account. For just $5 per month, you will not only get access to the podcast ad-free as I release new episodes, but you will also gain access to an exclusive audio feed of me going over potential stories to feature, interviews with people involved in the podcast, plus access to any potential video footage or photographs of the locations of where the paranormal events occurred. In addition to this, I will give you the chance to contribute by helping me pick stories to feature in future episodes. I'll include a link to the account in the description to this episode. Thank you again for listening. I hope to be back soon.